All right, take your Bibles with me, and we'll begin our lesson. If you, uh, in the bulletin, prayer bulletin, there is a outline you can follow along with. And as we continue our study on Moses, tonight we're talking about Moses and the golden calf. Moses and the golden calf, confession and repentance. Confession and repentance. And if you take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Exodus, continuing on in the book of Exodus chapter 32. Exodus chapter 32 And verse 1. Exodus 32 and verse 1. You know, God had abundantly blessed his people. We've seen that, haven't we? He had blessed them from the time he left Egypt, protected them, provided for them as they went through the Red Sea, then gave them water and manna, gave them the law, And to the point where the people had said, we will follow you and obey you. We looked at that last week, didn't we? The people made a pledge. We will follow the Lord. But what do we have now? We got the people so quickly have now turned away from the Lord. And you know, before we get all upset with Israel, we got to look at ourselves, don't we? And how quick are we? You know, God blesses us on occasion. And how quick are we to fall, to make a mistake? So, you know, really, we're just looking at ordinary people here. And no good people make mistakes. And so we just have to realize that. But we can learn a lesson from this, can't we? I like this little saying sometimes. I used to think of this as I was pastoring up in Sault Ste. Marie. And, uh, you know, sometimes I go on holidays or go away and have someone come in and fill the pulpit. And a lot of times getting back, uh, this was a kind of a true saying, when the cat's away, the mice will play. Do you ever feel like that sometimes? The cat's away, the mice will play. And that's kind of what we have here, don't we? Moses is up in the mountain receiving the law and the Ten Commandments and all these things about the tabernacle. He's receiving all of this. And what's going down in the valley? Well, the people are, are not following like they should. They've already forgotten their promise to the Lord. And now Moses has got to come back and he has to deal with this problem. And this is not what he wanted to do, but this is what he needed to do. And sometimes that happens in, in, in life, in our churches uh, sometimes these things do co- go happen to us. Well, let's get right into our outline tonight. Number one, we see the iniquity of the people. The iniquity of the people. Notice it says in verse one, and when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, make, rather up, make us gods, which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we want not what is become of him. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons and your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people broke, break off the golden earrings, 
which were in their ears, and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand, and fashioned it with a graving tool, after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, These be thy God, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. So here we have Moses. He's receiving the word of God. And now all of a sudden the people are saying, Where is Moses? We don't know where he's at. Is he going to come back? And now they're ready to say, we don't want him anymore. We want another leader. We don't know what's become of him. And now they're ready to say, let's find someone else. And let's even go so far to say, let's serve another God and do something different. And, you know, it wasn't very long before they were doing that. And they were rebelling against the Lord. They were rebelling against his leadership. They were rebelling against the Lord. So we see letter A, they rebelled against Moses. They rebelled against Moses. You know, God had given them Moses. God had sent Moses to them. That was God's choice to lead Israel. But now, they didn't want Moses anymore. They wanted to choose their leader. They wanted someone different. And they were, uh, they were already wanting something that other than what God had given them. You know, we should be aware of the dangers of resisting godly leadership. We have to be careful of that. And now I'm not saying all leaders are perfect because we're not. We make mistakes. But if you have a pastor and you have leadership in the church that desire to serve God and is following the Lord in obedience to the word of God and leading you to a, to a relationship and to serve God, then follow that. Follow that leadership. That's a blessing. And it, God gives pastors to the church. He gives them for a purpose so they can lead the people. If your spiritual leaders are spending time with God and humbly leading according to his word, support that leadership. Support him. Support him what he's doing. Pray for him and uplift him because it's not easy. It's difficult sometimes, and we need uh, good leaders today. You know, this is no secret. Churches are struggling to find good pastors. It is hard today, and if you, so we have a good pastor here. We need to support him. We need to uplift him and uh, realize what we have and appreciate what God has given us. Letter B, of course, they rebelled against God. You know, getting mad at, uh, not necessarily getting mad, but uh, failing to follow Moses, wanting to replace him, what were they saying? God, what you've given us is not good enough. 
and was rebelling against the Lord God. And how quick the people went to Aaron to replace the true God. How quick. You know, again, it wasn't very long before the people were saying, we will pledge obedience to the Lord. We will obey him. And now they're saying, we need another God. All right? And they did this. You know, one of the first steps towards rebellion against God is rationalization. You know, in our minds, thinking to ourselves and trying to say, well, you know what, what should we do next? How should we proceed? And sometimes we need to follow the word of God. God's given us what we need to know. We have it right here in our Bibles. And God had told them, he said to them, do not make a graven image. The second commandment was, do not make a graven image. And how quickly are they now having Aaron fashioning a calf and making an idol? So they're rebelling against God. They're breaking his commandments. And they're saying, tomorrow we're going to feast unto the Lord. They're breaking his law and they're rationalizing in their mind saying, well, you know, we're serving God. We're, at, we're serving the Lord. We're okay. We're not doing anything wrong. <laughs> yes, you are. You're breaking the word of God. And sometimes if we're not careful in our own lives, we can do the same when we rationalize away what God says. And we say, well, you know, it's, it's just a little thing. It's just a small thing. Hey, if we break God's word, if we sin against him, it's a big thing. And we need to understand that and realize that. You say, well, it's just a little thing. You know, if you're going to travel by an airplane from Los Angeles to New York City, it's about 2,400 miles. Of course, to drive it, it would take you a few days. But if you can get to an airplane, you can get there relatively within a few hours. However, that airplane, when it gets into the sky and begins to head towards its destination, it has to stay on route or route, whatever, wherever you're from. It's got to stay on route. Now, it can't deviate from that route. If it just deviated on the compass one degree, I mean, on the compass, how big is that? Fraction of an inch. Very small. But if that airplane continued on that, des that fraction of an inch off on the compass, it would end up being 43 miles away from New York City, which might not be a bad thing. But anyways, I've been to New York City. Anyways, um, but that's a long, you say, well, just a small thing. A small thing can be a big thing down the road. That's why it's so important that we cannot rationalize our sin. We can't rationalize away from the word of God. We gotta stay on course. And God knows what he's doing. We need to trust him and believe that his way is best. Totally surrender to God and his ways and trust his plan even when there is silence for a time. 
I know how it is sometimes you don't know what to do. Which, which, which way should I take? Which path should I take? Sometimes it's better to wait on the Lord. Better to wait for his timing than to make a decision and, and end up regretting that decision down the road. Sometimes we need to learn to wait. As the scripture tells us, uh, as it says, waiting on the Lord. Learn to wait on him. And that leads us to point number two here, the indignation, the indignation of God. Notice it says in verse seven, and the Lord said unto Moses, go, get thee down for thy people. It's interesting here, all of a sudden it's thy people. (laughs) It's not the Lord's people anymore. It's thy people, which thou brought us out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf and have worshiped it and have sacrificed thereunto and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone that my wrath may wax hot against them, and that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. God is angry. He is not happy with his people. Notice what God says to Moses, for thy people, which thou brought us out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. Interesting word, that word corruption. Corruption is defined as something that has been taken from its original or used, uh, original or intended use, okay? So something is corrupted when it has been taken from its original or intended use and used for something else. And the people, again, had consecrated themselves to the Lord, They had dedicated themselves to God. Now they were corrupted themselves. Now they were now doing something wrong. And that's how, if we're not careful, we can corrupt ourselves. Because we are using our talents or we're using our gifts for something that it wasn't intended for. And we can corrupt ourselves. And that's very important to understand that. Well, we see here the people were carnal. The people were carnal. There were three actions that reflected the carnality of the Israelites. If you want to write these down, you can. Number one, they turned aside quickly. They turned aside quickly. They were on the right direction, but they turned away from what was right. Number two, they made an idol, a molten calf. They had Aaron make an idol for them, which again was against the the commandments of God. Number three, they worshipped and sacrificed to the idol. They worshipped and sacrificed to that idol. Again, taking one step, worshipping an idol where God was to receive that worship, all right? And they were not to do that to an idol. So they were breaking the word of God. 
You know, let's remember, God alone is worthy of our worship and sacrifice. He alone is worthy. And there is nothing on this earth that can ever represent God. That's why God said to them, don't make an idol. There is nothing, what did he say? There is nothing above the earth. There is nothing on the earth. There is nothing under the earth that could represent me. Why? Because our God is so great. He's so powerful. All his attributes that he has, they cannot ever be totally represented by anything on this earth. And so God says, you need to worship me in spirit and in truth. And that was the reason why he told them, don't do that. But already they're turning aside, they're making the idol, and they're worshiping this idol that God told them not to do it. And basically, what are they doing? They're sinning against God. They're breaking his word. And that's really what sin is, isn't it? Sin is a transgression, okay? It's a transgression, it's a breaking of God's word. And the problem with that is that when you say, well, it's just a little sin, just like the illustration before I used about the airplane, all right? Here, another illustration of sin, if we don't take care of sin right away, it can get in, you know, you ever had a sore, an open sore, uh, and it got infected, right? That's happened to you. You get a sore, it gets infected, and then it festers, and it gets worse and worse and worse. And you know, when you get an infection like that, what's the best thing to do? The best thing to do is take care of it right away. Don't let that get worse. Why? Because the longer it gets worse, the worse it gets, the harder it's going to be to make it better. It's going to get bigger. It's, and, and just imagine the, the, to go in there and clean out that infection is going to get harder all the time and it's going to hurt worse for the, the treatment, the cure. So you want to take care of that right away. Well, that's like sin. Sin in our life, we know we've sinned and we've sinned against God. We need to repent of that sin right away and go to the Lord, confess our sin, agree with God, this is wrong. What I have done is wrong, it's sin, and I don't want this to come between me and my Lord and my fellowship with Him, so therefore, forgive me. And what's the promise we have from God? The promise in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's a promise of God. That's what we need to do when we've made a mistake. In Israel, uh, now they've, they've sinned against God, and there needs to be repentance, and the nation needs to repent. We need to be like David. Remember David when he sinned, and he let it fester? <laughs> he let it go, but once he was confronted by the prophet Nathan and heard the word of the Lord, 
he took steps to make it right. He repented. And he said in Psalms chapter 139, verse 23 and 24, he said, he said this, Search me, O God, know my heart today. Lord, know me, search me, I want to be right. And that was his way of saying, I need to repent. I want to be restored back to fellowship with you. And that's important. And that leads us to the next point here. The people were charged by God. The people were charged by God. God was not very happy with them. And sometimes we read this and we see how upset he was. I mean, to the point where he's saying, I'm ready to consume them. And Moses, start over with you. Now, that's hard for us to understand today because, praise the Lord, we live in a different age. We're not in this day. We're in the day of grace. And praise the Lord. I'm thankful that I'm living today in the day of grace where God, you know, he's, you know, he still feels the same way about sin. He still has the same righteousness, and he's still a holy God. But today, he, he looks at us, and he is very gracious and merciful to us. And so when we read a verse like this, we can't, it's hard for us to understand. Well, where is the grace of God there? Where is the mercy of God there? Well, it's there, believe me. God is always merciful. And he, uh, he is merciful with his people. But he was angry. He was angry with them. And let's remember, even though today we are in the age of grace, and God is gracious, he will still judge sin. And one day we're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ. And we need to remember that. Even though we live in a day of grace and God is gracious, we do will one day stand before him and we will give an account of our works. So that leads us to the third point here tonight, the intercession of Moses. The intercession of Moses. Let's take a look here at verse 11. And Moses sought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people? which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand. Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, For mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants, whom thou swearest by thine own self, and saidest unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have spoken I will give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people." Moses is an example how we need to plead on behalf of others. You know, we need to learn to plead mercy and grace on those around us. We see people around us, and we may wonder, you know, are they saved? We look at the lives they live. Maybe in our own family sometimes we see people who have professed to know Christ, 
and we see how they live and we're going, did they really get saved? Do they really understand what they're doing? And sometimes, what can we do? You know, well, we can pray for them. We can, we can pray God's mercy and God's grace and pray that God would work in their life and show them the truth. You know, despite how God, angry he got, Moses, we notice that Moses, he loved the sinners. He loved Israel. And I think maybe that's why God reacted the way he did a little bit. Maybe he wanted to bring out the heart of Moses so that we could see his heart. You know, Moses didn't say, yeah, go ahead, get rid of them. <laughs> no, Moses said, you can't do that, Lord. These are your people. You brought them out of Egypt. You promised to them these things. You promised to their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, or Jacob. You made these promises to these people, and you need to keep those promises to them. And so what do we see here? We see Moses, he is praying on behalf of these dear people and praying that God would not do that, what he said he wanted to do. There are three endeavors Moses made on his part. If you want to write these down, you can. Moses besought the Lord. He went to the Lord in prayer. He prayed for them. He sought for them. And and in Deuteronomy... This text doesn't say this in chapter 32, but in Deuteronomy chapter 9, verses 18 and 19, Moses said he interceded on behalf of Israel 40 days and 40 nights that God would spare them. So here's a man with a heart. He had a compassion for these people. You know, James chapter 5, verse 16 says, he said, you know, the effectual fervent prayer all right, of a faithful man availeth much. And that's, that's a lesson to us, isn't it? We need to pray. We can take people to the throne of grace and plead their cause on their behalf. Number two, Moses also cared about the testimony of the people. He said, God, you can't do that. What are all of those people back in Egypt going to say about them? What are all those people going to say about you? You brought us out. You know, you have a purpose for us. We have, to, we have a testimony before the world. And number three, Moses reminded God of his promise. Lord, you promised this land to these people. You can't break that promise now. You know, Psalm chapter 89, verse 34 says, My covenant will I not break, nor after the thing that has gone out of my lips. God made a promise. And Moses saying, God, you cannot break that promise. And of course, God wasn't going to break it because he doesn't break his promises. He keeps them. You know, someone has described the promises of God like a spiritual check. Now, I don't know if we use checks anymore too much. I have a, I know, I got about a 500 checks. <laughs> and I think in the last five years, I might have used four of them you know we don't use checks anymore it's a different way there's different ways of doing business now but some of you may remember the check all right remember that check now the check was just a piece of 
piece of paper. It wasn't money, but it was just a piece of paper. But on that piece of paper, what was it? It was a promise. That's really what it was. When someone gave you a check, they were basically saying to you, I'm promising to give you this money. If you take this little piece of paper with my name on it and the amount on it and go to the bank and my signature on it and you hand it to the teller, they will give you that money because I promise to pay it. Now, have you ever gotten a bad check? Or sometimes we used to call it a bounce check, right? You remember those days getting a bounce check? And maybe you bounced a check accidentally one time. Oh boy, that happens sometimes, don't it? And then, and then you pay, right? That, the bank charges you for that, and oh, you don't want to do that, that's for sure. But sometimes that happens, all right? But that check is only as good as the money in the account. So if, they, if someone promises, oh, I'll pay you a certain amount of money and you take it in and the teller looks at it and checks it and finds out, oh, I'm sorry, there's no money in this account, then that promise is no good. It's worthless. The check is worthless. You know, God, with these promises in the Bible, the ones especially for us now, some of these promises are for Israel. We've got to differentiate the promises and make sure they're for us. But the promises that are for us is kind of like God's written us a check. And if those promises are for us, all we have to do is take that to the bank of heaven and cash it. And God has got the, you know, he's got the resources to supply that. He can keep his promises. There's no worry about God. The problem is sometimes we have the check, but we just don't believe he can do it, so we don't take it in. We don't take it to the bank of heaven and cash it. We, don't, we just hang on to it. No, God can fulfill his promises. We just need to trust him. And that's what Moses is saying here. God, you can fulfill this promise, and you've promised to do it, and uh, he's saying, Lord, do that. Fulfill that promise you made. And we see lastly here in our outline, letter B, he loathed the sin. He loathed the sin. You know, Moses was upset too. He didn't like it. Even though he prayed, even though he loved the sinner, he hated their sin. And he understood that. And he was able to separate that. You know, he loved those people but notice what happened in, it came, in verse 19, if you're following along. And it came to pass as soon as he came nigh into the camp, camp that he saw the calf and the dancing. And Moses' anger waxed hot. And he cast the tables out of his hands and break them beneath the mount. So he's upset. Go to down to verse 26. And Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. And he said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Put every man his sword by his side and go in and out from gate to gate throughout the camp and slay every man his brother and every man his companion and every man his neighbor. 
And the children of Levi did according to the word of Moses, and there fell of the people that day about 3,000 men. For Moses had said, Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord, even every man upon his son and upon his brother, that he may bestow upon you a blessing this day. So he had to, he had to take action, and Israel paid for their sin. 3,000 lives were taken that day because of their sin and their refusal to repent and do what God wanted them to do. And so uh, he had to take action and deal with that. And you know, sometimes we have to do that. We gotta take action and we have to deal with sin, not in our, in our own lives and even uh, there'll be a time when you may have to separate from sin in one way or another. And you'll have to make a decision, you know, uh, what am I gonna do? How am I gonna be right with God and yet still love people at the same time, right? That's sometimes, that's a fine line, isn't it? How can I love people and yet be true to my own beliefs and my convictions? That's not always easy. And uh, that's where we need help from the Lord, from wisdom. In conclusion tonight, God will always judge sin and deal with it severely, but the effectual prayer of a righteous man will always avail much. We can pray. Pray for our loved ones. Pray for those around us that they would come to know Christ as their Savior and that they would uh, turn from that. And we can also be an example. We can give them the gospel and uh, we can be a witness to them. Well, that's our lesson for tonight. Uh, we finish up here with lesson number 10, Confession and Repentance.